Hello, friends, and welcome to Something to Talk About, a podcast where different women come together to talk about the Word of God and the various ways it applies to our lives. Today is our final episode on the book of James. Joining Vanessa and me today for our final episode are Leslie Bogdanow and Megan Pierce. Leslie is one of our dear Bible study teachers, and Megan is one of our much appreciated Bible study leaders. And both of these women study the Word of God with seriousness and joy, which is why we've asked them to be with us today as we talk about the important takeaways from the book of James. Now, ladies, both of y'all are return guests, but I'd love for you to reintroduce yourselves and then answer our favorite question of the day, which is, what is one of your favorite meals to make in the summertime? Well, I am Leslie Bogdanow. I've been married to Josh for 18 and a half years now. We have three kiddos. Lexi is 15 and driving me around in my minivan. That's great. Wow. (laughs) Uh, Brewer is 13, so two teenagers. And uh, Carter is nine. Um, And my favorite meal to make in the summertime, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking that I don't like to make meals in the summertime. (laughs) I don't want to do it. So I thought about this. I like to make side items and let Josh grill some burgers on the grill or do his Rectech chicken, which he makes his own white barbecue sauce. Mm. So I like to make side items for his yummy meal. (laughs) So what's a favorite side item? So probably like roasted sweet potatoes or, um, yeah, probably probably roasted sweet potatoes would be my go-to. I like it. Well, I am Megan Pierce, and I am married to Jordan, and we have two children, a 10-year-old son and an 8-year-old daughter. Um, I was thinking how last time I was here on the podcast, I was a homeschooling mom with one child at home, sending off one to school for the first time, um, and now I find myself with both kids at school. Um, I've also recently begun working here at First Pres with our children's ministry team, helping with some event coordinating. So a lot of big changes um, that I would not have foreseen, but certainly the Lord did. So um, yeah, it's been really sweet. Um, so thinking about a favorite thing to make in the summer. So two things come to mind. I have a strawberry salad um, that I really love. It's um, I like to do it on baby spinach with sliced strawberries, um, either some toasted pita bread or pita chips, maybe a little bit of cheese. And then I have this really good vinaigrette that has a little extra sugar in it. So it's sweet. um, And it just makes a really good fresh salad. And then the second thing is um, we love a peanut butter pie in the summertime. Mm. My son especially loves it. He requests it often. And so I don't know, there's just something about pulling out a pie from the freezer in the middle of summer. It's just really good. We really enjoy it. I'm coming over to y'all's house. Yeah, that could be exactly like what together, I'm thinking. You grill, you do the peanut butter pie, and I'd like the salad. We can yeah. cook out. Great question, Amber. Now, yeah, now we know where to go. <laughs> this is perfect. I think for me, it is just anything off the grill because I like the whole production of that. I, I love to put something on the grill, or have Marcus put something on the grill, and just have people and music. And uh, so I like the gathering piece of it. So just being the youngest of nine, a meal and people is just, you know, what I love about the summer. So the grill, but if I had to name the sides that I would do with that, it would be a, a nice caprese with some fresh basil, some fresh uh, mozzarella, and a nice balsamic glaze um, drizzle. That would be great. And then just a fresh fruit salad. Mm-hmm. Tasty. 
We really do need to, we really do need to do this gathering. We should yeah, have had lunch first and I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I'm hungry now. Yeah, I'll talk in my love language. Well, what the thing that came to my mind is an Asian salad that I make just about every day for lunch in the summertime because we recently last year uh, planted some raised beds and I, I do not have a green thumb. I should because my mom has an amazing green thumb. She grows everything I grew up eating, just lots of fresh vegetables and things from the garden. But I, I kill just about anything. So I was really <laughs> proud this year that I had planted these raised beds and I had some herbs and I had some little cherry tomatoes and I planted some Thai basil some mm. regular basil, some mint, and I think that was the three that I use, yeah, for this Asian salad. So what makes this Asian salad so good in my mind is that it's got a lot of fresh chopped herbs, and then I make a homemade Asian dressing, mm. and I make them in advance during the week, so I just pull them out for lunch. They're ready. I go to the little garden. I cut my little herbs. I put it on there with some peanuts or whatever in my dressing and just think it's the best. So that is a fun summertime lunch meal for me. But something that all of y'all have mentioned is that the meals all have different components that make it so good to us. And sometimes we can remember a great meal, but sometimes we can't necessarily remember all the components that went into it. But the impression of the meal itself has stuck with us. In the book of James, we've been studying and we've gotten to the end now. And I think it's fair to say that James has really left the impression mm -hmm. of steadfast faith. Mm -hmm. And so when we think James now, I think we think steadfast. But we might not remember all of the component parts that go into having a steadfast faith. So that's why we're here today. We're going to talk about the components of James that have gone together to build this steadfast faith. And one of the first things it helps us to remember is who James was writing to. And so if you remember at the very beginning of James, he addresses his letters to who he intends to address. Mm -hmm. And that is to the 12 tribes of the dispersion. So these are people who are scattered. He goes on to say that they're experiencing trials of many kinds. And we know because of the way he addresses them throughout the letter that they're believers. So what stuck out to me that was important about that is, you know, James has a lot of imperatives in this book. We've already said that. And if you remember that he's addressing Christians, it's very helpful because in a hundred, there's about 108 verses in this letter and over half of them are imperatives, they're mm -hmm. commands. If you remember that the people that he's addressing these to are already believers, it just helps to cement the reality that you do not do these things in order to gain favor with the Lord. You do these things because you have favor with the Lord. And that's how we've been receiving these commands as well. As out of the grace that's been given to us, this is how it, it has feet, that grace to us, that faith has feet. So that was helpful for me to remember. And then it was helpful to remember that these are people who are experiencing trials and sufferings and they're scattered and they don't feel settled. And we've been through a year in which we feel very much the same, trials mm -hmm. and sufferings, and we don't feel settled. And there's all sorts of things that we would want to do, maybe, to resettle ourselves or to take care of the suffering or the angst that we feel. And so James very wisely reaches in and says, no, no, let me tell you what to do with your money in these times. Let me tell you what to do with those judgmental thoughts that you might have during this time. Let me tell you about prayer and suffering. Let me tell you about the futility of thinking that you can reconstruct your life and say, I'm going to do this and that and this and that this time. So he really gets practical in the sufferings in that just unsettled place that we feel. And James was known as James the Just. We talked about that much earlier um, as we began our study on James. And he led that type of life of righteousness and suffering. And so he was able to speak into that so powerfully and so effectively for us. James was martyred 
for his righteous stand. When encouraged to denounce Christ, he didn't. Instead, he proclaimed Christ. And so, and we see that throughout his life, and we see that throughout his teachings that he proclaimed Christ. Um, early bishop of the church and was just known for his righteousness and known for much praying. We laugh because um, I think when we were talking to the teachers earlier this year, getting ready for Bible study, we talked about James having the heart and knees like those of a camel. He's known for that because he, you know, he was just known for praying. And so he even had the marks of someone who was righteous. And so, um, so we hear James righteous commands all throughout. But I think what we also hear throughout is that James echoes so much of what his older brother Jesus said. While his mandates can sometimes seem a little tough, they are always uh, aligned with the very messages of the gospel that Jesus also communicated. So, for instance, he talks about joy amid trials. He starts there. He starts there from the very first chapter. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. We hear that same type of exhortation from Jesus in Matthew 5 and Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. And so James talks about this is what you do in trials. And that's, you know, and Jesus does the same thing. He does what Jesus does. He also does that in telling us how to be mature in our faith and how to grow in it. James talks about let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. He's talking about being mature in Christ. And Jesus does the same thing uh, previously in Matthew 5, where he says, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So there are so many great parallels, but uh, the long and the short of the story is James instructs us to righteous living, and he is, of course, carried along by the Spirit to write this, but he also has the life that reflected it. Mm, yeah. So in our review, we are going to be touching on four key important themes that run through the book of James, uh, wealth, pride, faith, and prayer. So what is something that you ladies have learned about wealth, poverty, and the way we are to care for the poor? So when James addressed wealth, I just couldn't help but hear those echoes of Ecclesiastes and just those reminders of how temporary and fleeting riches are. You know, James gave us several illustrations that spoke to that. I think he talked about a flower of the grass fading and even, you know, these pictures of the wearing out of our riches. Um, and so I think when I consider just that temporary nature of wealth and riches, um, along with the warning that James gives about self-indulgence, it just really has me take a really good hard look at the way that I'm not only using my resources, but also viewing my resources. You know, just asking myself, are they a means for my own pleasure or are they being stewarded in a way that is really, really helping to meet the needs of others? Um, and I, I think James sort of begs the question of us of, why would a heart that's transformed by the gospel be living in a self-indulgent way? Mm -hmm. Why would I be storing up riches, you know, that are here one day and gone the next? And um, I loved what Leslie Glass said on the podcast about life being a mist. And she said, mm -hmm. but a mist we are. And so how are we going to live in the time that we're here? And so I think just in regards to my resources, just am I living with a proper view of wealth, um, allowing me to live in a way that's open-handed and considering the needs of others, or am I just more concerned about my own comforts and pleasures than, you know, 
when I think about that, honestly, sometimes I am just living for myself. Um, it was also so encouraging to listen to Marianne and Amanda when they shared about mm-hmm. foster care and just listening to how they live in such a sacrificial way to meet the needs of others. So encouraging. Yeah. You know, they, they talked about how they enter into that brokenness from a place of just awareness of their own spiritual poverty and how that helps them to love in such an open-handed way, which is just a beautiful picture. So all in all, I feel like I'm just walking away with a greater awareness of how I'm using the things that God's given me um, and how I might be using them just for the good, the good of others. Well, I, I was meditating on one of our scripture memory verses earlier today, James 5.11, and it says, Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purposes of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. And I was just thinking about those words, compassionate and merciful. I think Courtney Doctor had us journal through those in, in that chapter, but it was so good for me to just meditate on that because I was thinking about wealth and poverty and caring caring for the poor, and I thought about the ways that the Lord has cared for me in those financially hard times. Um, Josh is a police officer, and um, we chose this. You know, we didn't. We knew we wouldn't be millionaires, right? Um, and I, I decided. Um, we decided that I would quit my job and stay at home with our children. And I was making the most money mm-hmm. when Lexi was born. So we knew we were choosing this. Um, but there were some hard times, and just with inexperience, we had never lived in a bad economy. We knew two things: like our house will appreciate. And we will get a raise every year. Those are the assumptions. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, we just didn't know that the economy could do what it did in like 2008, 2009. We bought a house at the top of the market. So just some inexperience. Mm -hmm. Um, But the Lord, he's so kind. Our, Our third child, Carter, when he was born, it was just a really, really tight time. And the way the Lord cared for us was so sweet. Uh, I even had to call my grandmother because I couldn't fit all the car seats in the Kia when Carter came home from the hospital. (laughs) They wouldn't jam in that one seat, you know? And I called my grandma and I said, Mama Sue, can I buy your old Suburban? And she said, baby, you can have my old Suburban. If you come to Texas and get it, it's yours. So Josh went to get it. So things like that. And then the way like, I don't, I don't know if y'all know this, but like Sarah Price practically clothed me for several years. She would bring bags of clothes to my house, just things that she didn't wear anymore. Just things that the the sweet ways that the body of Christ has looked out for us. And um, so that's what I was thinking of. I was thinking of how he's been compassionate to me. How could I bestow that sort of care on someone else? The way that those, um, those kind of, those Christians have loved on me and the way he provided for us like that. So that's where my mind went when we thought about wealth and poverty. What powerful opportunities to learn about that type of care and provision when the Lord knows that we are in need of that. And he uses the body to teach us about his provision and his care for us in very tangible ways. And so that is so, that's so encouraging, Leslie. Thank you. It really is. And it, it, Reminds me, because when I was thinking about it, I thought it's an indicator of what I believe about the Lord when I find myself reluctant 
to give to other people, you know, whether, whether I think that the Lord won't be compassionate and kind to me or whether, you know, Megan, you were saying, I, I want to hold on to these things for my own mm-hmm. self. I don't want to give them to somebody else. You know, that selfishness or self-centeredness that misses out actually on, mm-hmm. on the better thing, which right. is to participate in what the Lord is doing in other people's lives and he, and to trust he's doing the exact same thing in my life. You know, there's nothing to lose really in that sense. There's something to give up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's nothing to lose on the other end. That was a good reminder. I appreciate both of y'all what mm-hmm. you're saying about that. When so money, obviously, and how we think about money, use money, those sorts of things is a challenge to all of us. And so is how we think about other people and the thoughts we have even about our own sisters in Christ. So how did our study in James challenge y'all in regards to your pride and the warning against judging your sisters in Christ? So, I was thinking about this in a little different way. The question um, about pride, I was thinking every time, uh, every time I've heard Vanessa say, James is going to put his finger mm-hmm. on that place between uh, your belief and your mm-hmm. behavior. Oh my goodness, does he do that? And I was thinking about pride and humility and how he talks about that so much. And James, there's that, in fact, it's the climax of the book where he comes to that part. And I was supposed to teach that lesson on steadfast wisdom. He reminded me over and over again as I was studying that passage how much I needed him, how prideful I actually am, how he wants to humble me, how I need him for everything. And it's funny because I had finally written out the lesson. I handwrite my lessons that I'm going to teach. I feel like that gets in my brain better. And I had in, in big fancy lettering at the top of my paper, I had written Courtney Doctor's uh, title for that chapter, <laughs> Steadfast Wisdom. And so as we were setting up to shoot my video, uh, for the virtual teaching time, Vanessa and some of the girls in the office were helping me get the lighting right, get the background right, get the camera right. I put my paper out in front of me, and sure enough, there's my scripty title at the top, my fancy title, and Vanessa points to it with her finger. And in my pride, I thought she was going to say, <laughs> beautiful, and she said, Leslie, you would think that if you're going to spend so much time writing it so fancy, (laughs) you would have spelled it right. (laughs) I totally misspelled steadfast. Did I say it like that? (laughs) No, no, maybe it was, it was nicer than that. Sorry if I made it, but it was so funny because the, the word in front of wisdom was steadfast and I had left out the D. So it said (laughs) steadfast wisdom. And I was about to teach a lesson about wisdom. So right before the camera started, I was already like, remember, I need you, Lord. And I am, I'm humbled again before you. So I was going with the, Thank you, Vanessa. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love you. Public I love you so much, yeah. Vanessa. It was just so funny because it was like ironic, you know. I was gonna teach about wisdom and I can't even spell the word in front of it. So here we go, Lord. Apart from you, I can do nothing, which Samantha Roberts reminded us. I knew you would laugh because interview. that's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So ironic. But that was humbling. And so I was thinking about the pride um that you know it just comes before a fall Mm -hmm. thanks leslie for sharing that um as i was thinking about this i was thinking about um something i read recently i've been doing this lenten devotional um, by paul tripp and one of the recent readings was 
just about how sin blinds us and how when we're blinded, we often don't have an accurate view of ourselves. And when we don't have an accurate view of ourselves, how that often um, can just overflow into some difficulty with our relationships. And that just really reminded me of what I've seen in James, just about those passions that war within us and how that causes the quarrels and fights among us. And I think James has just revealed my inability at times to see my own pride and my own selfish selfish ambition um, and how that causes me at times to interact with others in a way that, you know, isn't loving, isn't humble, and isn't maybe assuming the best. Um, I'll never forget um, years ago, a friend in this church was sharing um, on the verse from Ephesians that talks about how we are to be humble and gentle and bear with one another in love. And I'll never forget, she said how when we read that verse, we often can kind of start to calculate a list of all the people in our life that we're having to bear with Mm -hmm. and how we forget that there's a list of those who are having to bear with us. Um, And so I think think just in line with that, um, my judgment of others just comes from my own forgetfulness about myself and my own sin and So I think I've just been challenged to just ask the Lord um, to give me a greater awareness of the pride that might be living in my own heart so that I can walk wisely and love others well. And we're told in James that he gives grace to the humble. And so just um, asking him to do those things in my heart. So good, Megan. Um, This one particular passage has helped with some of that awareness for me and has helped me identify some prideful places. So I was out taking James for a walk on my, <laughs> in my neighborhood when this, these verses just hit me like a ton of bricks. Uh, chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away filthiness, all filthiness, and rampant wickedness, and receive meekness the implanted word receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls and i think what i had not ever seen was the contrast between anger and humility uh, you know i and i've i've heard all of the ways that we're these things we're supposed to put away and but i had just not i had not internalized it in that way and what i recognize was when i am in a place where the the posture of my heart is humble i'm rarely offended Mm-hmm. But when I am lifted up in pride, uh, or if I'm when I'm uh, not aware, uh, and, and often not aware of it, mm-hmm. those are the times when I am most apt to be uh, offended. I'm quicker to offend, and I'm quicker to become angry, and and so just that whole recognition of anger versus humility. But it is with humility. That's the posture for receiving the implanted word of God. That's the posture in which the Lord grows us and grooms us. And, and James just reminds us that we receive that word, not just to talk about it, but to put it into action. And so what did you see? Let me ask you that. What did you see in a new way concerning the connection then between faith and works? So this particular passage of the study was just so, so rich for me. Um, I think Sometimes I can lean um, toward being a little heady when it comes to studying scripture. And um, as Courtney reminded us in the study, she says that James is not just wanting people to um, know things about God and Mm -hmm. be able to articulate things about God, but to really know him. And so I think that knowing him, um, that true faith is going to result in righteous living. 
Um, and you know, Vanessa, you said on the podcast that, um, sort of in an effort to avoid righteousness by works, we've sort of swung the pendulum too far in the other direction and almost divorced righteous living from faith. And I think that's so true. And that verse in James where he talks about that even the demons believe, I feel like should just be so sobering for Mm -hmm. us. And so I've just been asking myself, how is what I know in my head transforming my heart and then resulting in obedience and holiness and Christ-likeness? And so just that reminder that a true faith doesn't remain alone, but um, it's proven through the demonstration of righteous living. That just, I mean, honestly, that just really illuminated the whole book of James for me, that a working faith is going to inform the way I use my tongue, the way I use my resources to care for the needy, um, how I love others from a place of humility. There's just so much I could say about this this passage, but I really think it has just pushed me to a place of examining my own heart and just asking the Lord to cont- continue to help me um, to know the good works that he has for me and to walk in them and be obedient to them. I love that, Megan. That's so real. Um, you know, the verse that really stood out to me and really just... It, it lived with me for weeks, uh, is, is James 3.17. So he, he's comparing the, the earthly wisdom, the demonic wisdom, to the wisdom from above. And he says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And I'll tell you, the Lord took a little magnifying glass, I felt like, and he just showed me where each of those faults were with me and that I needed to call people and and apologize. I had needed to repent. It was, um, especially with my sincerity, I, I want to be sincere and I, I'm kind of a feel, um, a feely kind of person. Like I can feel what I think your feelings are in the room. You're an empath. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I would, I would be, I'm very empathetic. Um, but I sometimes can be a bit insincere and I've just been so, it's so ugly to look in the mirror of the word sometime and say, yuck, that's insincerity. You didn't mean that. That's sin. So learning to call things sin that actually are sin, um, even like exaggerating a story, you know, like, oh, that was a lie. Okay, that didn't really happen. (laughs) You know, I just improved this story, but that's sin. So learning to, uh, that faith and works go hand in hand and letting the Lord in on those places. Um, It's been heavy and hard and wonderful all at the same time, because I do want to be more like him. You know, I want him to, to show me those places. I want to look into the mirror of the word and be a, not just a hearer, but a doer. Yeah. Lisa summed it up well when you're saying it's heavy and it's wonderful. That's what I hear y'all both saying. And what, and what stuck out to me through all of James is the privilege that obedience is like for too long. I've just thought obedience is drudgery and it, has really stuck out to me that grace is a gift and works are a gift. And it is a gift to be able to put our faith into practice. The 
we reap such benefits from that and the Lord gets such glory from that and we take such delight in it. Mm -hmm. And it's like the evil one has whispered in my ear too long. Well, now you're going to have to do something and, you know, it's not going to be all that good. It's going to be really hard. It's going to require like, you know, just Mm -hmm. all of that sort of, all right, now it's drudgery and it's your time to do your duty because God's done his duty by you. So you better step up and do your duty in return. Mm -hmm. And just to shake off that lie and say, no, 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 the Lord has given me works to do because they're good Mm -hmm. and um, they're a privilege. They're not something that I have to consider drudgery. So I love that connection, just to think that faith overflows and works. They're both a gift, and they work simultaneously together. Well said. Well said. Well, finally, the last thing we're going to talk about is prayer. And James has a lot to say about prayer in his letter. What are some ways that you find yourself praying differently after your study of James? You know, this one for me sort of tied in with the question about judging because that's the way James has has changed my prayers. Mm -hmm. So for instance, uh, Amber, you talked to us about this, the steadfast speech chapter, Mm -hmm. and you taught us about the tongue. And when you were teaching, you reminded us that, that steadfast speech doesn't just mean the words that come out of our mouth and the words that we type, but also the words that we think. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, don't yeah. say that, Amber. No, that hurts too much. <laughs> <A lot of laughs> words. So I started to listen to that self-talk and listen to those thoughts in my head. And because of that, I have noticed some judgmental attitudes, some judgmental thoughts that I've had. And so I've been trying, not perfectly, of course, I'm failing all the time, but I've been trying to take those that those thoughts captive, like like Susan O'Keefe reminded us when she was on the podcast, and make them obedient to Christ. So quickly repenting of my judgmentalness, but then also taking that and turning it into a prayer for that person that I was actually judging, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's changed my prayer life because I'm seeing that's also all tied in with humility too. It's like, oh, I'm doing it again, Lord, you know? Oh guess what? I need you, Lord. Apart from you, I could do nothing. So it's all just tied together. Um, and I love how, how James has done some hard work. The Holy Spirit's done Mm -hmm. some hard work in my heart over these last few weeks. I'm thankful. That's so practical and so Mm -hmm. helpful to just, to turn what you would have had as a a negative into, man, that's, let's pray for them instead of have negative commentary about that. I love that. Mm-hmm. And I have been so encouraged by your sensitivity to the spirit and watching mm-hmm. God work in your heart and life, friends. So you're an encouragement to me. Thank you, um, So one way I would say that James has shaped my prayer life is um, just as I bring my requests to the Lord to have a heart posture that says, if you will, I will live and do this and that. Um, think it can be easy for me to go to the Lord in prayer with my plans and all my stuff sort of laid out and kind of say, all right, God, join me, join me here, you know. Um, And um, these passages have just really reminded me to come with a heart of submission. Um, And as someone who maybe likes control um, and doesn't really (laughs) like to be surprised by difficulty or disruption, I I really have needed that reminder. I think that also overflows into trusting the Lord when maybe he doesn't answer something for us in the way that we would hope. Um, In chapter five, we looked at prayer and 
specifically at the needs of healing. And um, Courtney, in the study, she references the passage about Paul and the thorn in his flesh. And that particular passage has just been really dear to me for many years. Um, I went through a time where there was a specific thing that I was asking the Lord to remove, and He didn't. And that passage just brought such comfort to me as I could see Paul asking also for his thorn to be removed and the Lord not removing it because it was going to serve a greater purpose in Paul's life. And so just that I could trust the Lord to do the same thing in my own. So I think those two things together, just a submissive heart, not only to the Lord's will in my life, but also just knowing in that, that he is withholding no good thing from us and that he truly does know what's best. That is so great because his goodness does help us. It motivates us in our prayers to him. And similarly, I think that's what I'm reminded of is uh, just that assurance that he delights in answering our prayers. James gives us all of these situations. Are you lacking wisdom? Um, Is anyone suffering? Are you cheerful? Are you sick? Whatever's going on, he's just covering this wide breadth of situations and saying, if that's happening, pray. Pray. The Lord wants to meet us in all of those spaces, not just the suffering, not just when we're cheerful and we feel like he's blessing us, but in every one of the situations. Pray. And and he says, let him ask in faith. And I think we're moved to ask in faith when we really do believe that he is delighting and that we're not convincing him to bless us. We're not convincing him to convene with us, but it is his pleasure. It is his great delight to uh, answer. And I think that helps me to pray more expectant prayers um, in that prayers of faith. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's like, as we were making this journey um, towards steadfast faith in steadfast faith, that prayer is definitely the vehicle um, by which we move. And I appreciate y'all coming today and sharing with us the various component parts, what you've learned, what it's looked like for you to grow in this steadfast faith together. We've said this all the way throughout the study that we're not growing in steadfast faith alone. Mm-hmm. And Vanessa mentioned this sweet illustration of like a dad, imagining a dad and his, and his son, his small little son walking into a swimming pool. And that little boy doesn't know how to swim yet. And it's a little terrifying. And he is gripping his daddy's hand as tight as he can. Um, to make sure that he's staying safe. But really, when they get into that deep water, it's not that little boy's grip uh, that's going to keep him safe. It's that big daddy's grip that's going to keep him safe. He's holding on to him. Yes, that little boy is holding on to his daddy, but even more so, that daddy is holding on to him. And that's Mm -hmm. what it is. It is the Lord is holding on to us as we move forward in faith. And that's the way that we can move. That illustration comes from a book, Gentle and Lowly, that some of us have been reading and really enjoying it, enjoying it so much, actually, that we're going to do a little mini podcast series on it. And Vanessa, tell us a little bit. Yeah, Gentle and Lowly has kind of taken the world by storm, and it has just been such a blessing to many of us at our church. And so we thought to um, go into the summer that we would discuss Gentle and Lowly together as as a community. So what we'll do is we'll have monthly discussions. First eight chapters we'll discuss in May. The next eight chapters we'll discuss in June, and then the last seven chapters we'll discuss in July right here um, at Something to Talk About. So you can purchase it on Amazon or wherever you buy books. Also, if, if you need to take Gentle and Lowly on a walk, it, Audible, it's uh, it's available on, on Audible. So I have I have to have the paper copy as well as the Audible copy. So uh, I need both. I need to be able to do it both ways. So, But join us here. We'll be discussing it. And then just take us along with you on your spring break. We'll see you back here next time as we begin our discussion on Gentle and Lowly.
Hope you'll join us. Sometimes a light surprises the Christian wife she sees. It is the Lord who rises with healing in his wings. When comforts are declining, he grants the soul again a season of pure shining to cheer it after the rain. 